Here in the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We've talked a lot about the Steelers' needs, but is tight end just too good of a position in this NFL draft class to pass up? We'll talk about that and a lot more with Matt Williamson, NFL draft expert and Steelers expert himself, right here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting app, but especially on YouTube. Like this video if you saw it on YouTube. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as your bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today we're joined by... I believe the original host of Locked On Steelers, correct, Matt? Did you start this this channel? I did not. I started okay. Locked On NFL. I was the very first host of any Locked On NFL, you know, the whole world of NFL. But uh, I actually recommended Adam Crawley back when for the, the original host of Locked On Steelers. Oh, I know Adam hosted. I didn't know he was the yeah. first host. That's I'm very sure. Cool. That's a long time ago. I need it a was- history lesson here. It was a long time ago. Trust me, I go through my Apple reviews and see people giving Crowley takes. But <laughs> glad to have you on the show as one of the locked on OGs out here. And if y'all don't know Matt Williamson, he's on. He's on the, the when he's he's Williamson of Peacock and Williamson, the locked on show that we do. He's on uh, what the locked on dynasty for for right, talking right. about fantasy football you hear him all the time on steel nation radio with the drive that he does with dale lolly he is an encyclopedia of football information so we're happy to have him on the show matt i want to talk to you about this tight end class because i've heard you talk about it with dale i've heard you talk about we've talked about it when we were both in indy Mm -hmm. but this seems like a special tight end class with the talent that could be lined up there but we've been talking all this time about steelers needing to address the offensive line needing a young defensive lineman to come in and start carrying the flag for the next generation whenever cam hayward's done a young cornerback a linebacker a lot of different positions tight end is the one some people scratch their head about but what makes this class so special and something that needs to be looked at? Yeah, I, I'm starting to feel stronger and stronger about this. And the root of it is, I think this is the best position group in the entire draft. So oh. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's loaded. Musgrave is my favorite, but there's hmm. what I really think are probably five guys in the top 50, whatever order you like. And when we look back at this class, I also think the depth is really going to be reflective down the down the line, too, that there may be eight or nine starters in this class two, three years from now, which is rare. I mean, it's it's rare to see that guy. These guys get taken that high. So Kevin Colbert was really good at this. I'm very much a believer in this in the draft is use free agency to give yourself at least a couple bites of the apples at the strongest positions. Is tight end the Steelers' biggest need? Of course not. I mean, they need linebackers. They need a corner. Right. They need offensive line. We know all those things. But they have a wealth of early picks, and they went to a lot of 12 personnel after trading Claypool, and Gentry ended up with the 11th most snaps of any offensive player. And of those 11 players, I thought he was the 11th best. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 Gentry's I you. fine, you know, but I think teams like to play against Gentry. So – they got a lot better with more twelve and less eleven with three with you know with three receivers and, they, and I I think that if you can add one of these guys and I'm not 
in the market at 17, but anywhere from 32 to the fourth round or so, I think you'll start to get bargains because if I'm right that there's maybe 12 legit tight end prospects here, you're going to get a guy with an early third round grade in the middle of the fourth round. You know, I mean, how many teams are shopping for tight ends? So I think you really want to set yourself up to get one of them. That's an upgrade, especially athletically on Gentry. I hear you on that. And uh, it would be very interesting. Also, something that you and I was talking about at the combine, you know, Frymuth's not a blocker yet. And maybe he never no. will be. He's strict, he's very strictly mm-hmm. a receiving tight end for the Steelers. And it kind of, you know, helped when he would you know, when he ever flexed out to that position. But the Steelers could really use a traditional tight end who is a good receiver, but can block his butt off. Who yeah. do you feel are the better blocking tight ends or are all of the top guys in that category? Uh, they're not all in that category. Like Kincaid to me is much more of a Evan Ingram move tight end. Mm. And I'm with you. Like I look at it two ways. Like Kelsey for the Chiefs is really a big slot receiver. And yeah. Claypool was really almost a small tight end. Like <laughs> <laughs> so the Steelers could use a slot, but the addition of a tight end would make Fryer move your slot even more, like you said. So I would prefer, as you insinuated, a bigger inline guy that'll block or will develop as a blocker that brings more to the table for sure than Gentry as a receiver. So some names to look at are Zach Koontz from Old Dominion. He's a Penn mm. State transfer, played with Fryermuth actually, six seven. He's, you know, and he had the best combine. In the history of the combine, it's from a tight end position. I mean, what he did in Indy is bonkers. Um, Musgrave is my favorite, but I think he's going to go a little too early. And he is more receiver than blocker, but I don't even care with him because I'm infatuated with him. Um, Schoonmaker from Michigan mm-hmm. is more of that fourth round type guy. And his game you. just translates really, really well to the league. The one that I keep coming back to, though, is Darnell Washington from Georgia. He just I mean, looks like a freak. He's a freak. He was 264, but played at like 280. They have him blocking defensive ends in the SEC, and he bends at the waist a little more than you'd like, but he likes it. He's big and physical. He tested unbelievably well. Like at 32, I'm thinking about Darnell Washington, and I could probably give you five other names. I mean, the best blocking tight end that's in every down player is Michael Mayer from from Notre Mm -hmm. Dame, and he loves it, and he's nasty as could be, and I'm sure this team would love him. He's just not quite as athletic as Washington or Musgrave or some of those. But, I mean, he's a very, very good player. No, I feel you. I, I, I like a lot of these guys I've watched. I haven't watched exclusive tape or mm-hmm. extensive tape on the tight end class. I've been able to check out a few things here and there. I saw some of their drills when they were at the combine. And just there was a really funny clip of every tight end moving the sled in the drills and then Washington just <laughs> driving the sled. Right. And it was just my goodness. And then he was making crazy one-handed catches in the drills. And it's just those things flashed. Then he tested well. And you see his size. You see how physical he was as a Georgia tight end against SEC defensive ends. And it's just like, man – pairing that with Pat right. Fryermuth, and then also again you're looking at an offense that Steelers want to be a run balanced offense that you know they don't run the ball all the time but make it easier so you're you're not always calling upon Kenny Pickett to save you that you could be more dominant and what would be a better way than to have two tight ends on the field one actually right. being a very good blocker not just a decent blocker but a mm-hmm. very good one and that 
also is a receiving threat, and you have two receiving threats coming off the line. I think that's like that could put them in a very good position and maybe give Matt Canada a little bit more balance to play with this upcoming year. Absolutely. And to take it a little further to really nerd out on you, because I just actually wrote an article oh, hey. about this, but I've been doing this, I've been talking about this a lot lately, is there's a couple areas that the Steelers and Pickett in particularly really struggled. Is first of all, and this is kind of a Canada thing. They need to attack the middle of the field much, much more. And adding a tight end obviously correlates with that. Uh, they need to really up the play action usage. I also think having a good tight end helps a great deal with that. Play action, tight end gets you know behind a linebacker, in front of the safety, middle of the field, easy completion, move the chains. But the biggest thing I'm going to nerd out on is, and th- this is going to sound like I'm being rough on Kenny, it's not at all a knock on him because every early, early quarterbacks very, very, very much struggle in the red zone and between 10 and 20 yards downfield. And the reason is, those are the hardest throws in the league. I mean, they're just condensed. There's a lot of great defensive players in there. When you get to the Burrow-Mahomes level, you start to dominate in those areas. Kenny's not there yet. But what do tight ends do well? They help in the red zone, and they help from 10 to 20 yards downfield. You know, so I think this sets up really well to help your young quarterback without losing anything that you established in the run game, giving you more versatility, a cheap young option for the next four years or so that's a, you know, is also very talented. And it also, you know, opens up Friermuth a little bit. Like if Washington's out or here we go. If Friermuth is your seventh best blocker on the field, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? In in the run game, five running backs, a Washington like guy and Friermuth. Well, that's not a liability. I mean, if he's your fifth or sixth best blocker, that's a problem. But if he's your seventh and Pickens is your eighth, you're going to move some bodies. Mm-hmm. I hear you on that. And I think that's that's certainly part of the formula. I'd be intrigued to see how the Steelers work, uh, especially with Najee Harris. I think getting better Jalen Warren, then becoming mm-hmm. a one a real one-two punch. And then, like you said, that's where the play action can come in because then as as a as a defense, and heck, we you know, we've seen this with certain teams that have been able to pair really good athletic tight ends who could block and also catch, is that it puts defenses on this on this balancing beam where right. do they have the personnel to attack these guys physically and win at the line of scrimmage to stop the run? And if they do, can those guys then be prepared to run with athletic tight ends down the middle part of the field? And especially in the red zone where the Steelers finished 22nd best uh, in the NFL this list last year. And they definitely need to improve that if they want to you know, take steps forward and actually show growth as an offense. So I'm right with you. Matt, I want to continue this discussion and also address a caller's question here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. We'll get into those in just a minute. But first, before we do any of that, we got to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at FanDuel. And of course, FanDuel is the number one sportsbook app in America. And if you can download the FanDuel right now to bet on all the NBA games that are going on right now, and new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win if you're a new customer at, at FanDuel's uh, sportsbook. Now, when you're going to bet, bet on NBA games, you don't just bet on the games themselves. You can bet on the money line. You can bet on point scores. You can bet on how many threes get trained. Then FanDuel lets you even make player prop bets and also lets you combine all your bets for a big a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss out on the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Back 
here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined by Matt Williamson of the legendary Lords. He's on, he's again, he's on all the shows. If you're an NFL listener or you're a Steelers listener, you know Matt Williamson and his knowledge he brings to the game. Matt, finishing up the tight end point we we're talking about, you said you wouldn't take one at 17. Where's where is the sweet spot? Is it at 32, like you were saying earlier, like a Darnell Washington at 32? Mm-hmm. Or can they even wait till like 80 in the third round if they wanted to and still get someone of really good value? I think all the above. That's the beauty of it. You know, is I'm very open to the idea of trading down at 17. I think you're going to get a lot of offers at 32 because I'd like to gain some more picks in that fourth, fifth round where there's just a desert wasteland right now. And I also Mm -hmm. think day two is where you want to be picking in this draft pound for pound. But I think that's doubly true for tight ends because I rattled off, I don't know, eight or nine names and there was four or five I just skipped over. That I all that I think are going to go somewhere between. Well, I mean, the top notch guys I think are going to go between twenty and fifty five. Where mm-hmm. useful Steeler additions could go all the way into the fourth and fifth round to me. You know, right. I just think you're going to get value. There's a lot of them. I feel you on that, and I think that there's. I've been talking a lot about the show, especially on day two value, day three mm-hmm. value too. If, if, they, if they could get finally get some picks in the fifth and sixth rounds, they have they have a pick in the fourth round at one twenty, and then their next pick is all the way yeah. in the seventh round. That's a long wait on day three to, to, between picks. So maybe they could pick up some then. And I've talked a lot about this show on this show about trading back from seventeen, trading back from thirty two, and maybe being able to get a haul where you get an additional day two pick and maybe an additional day three pick for moving back, but. One of our listeners called into the show, and you can call into the show by calling 412-223-6644. And you leave, you call, leave your name, your where you're from, and leave and keep your met your question under a minute. We'll be happy to get your question on the show. Jeffrey McNeil out of Cincinnati had a question about what if they don't have to move back? Here's Jeffrey Jeffrey's question. Yo, Chris, to Jeffrey McNeil from Cincinnati, Ohio. I had a question. So my question is for you. I think the Steelers pick 17 is the perfect number because no matter how the board falls, they can walk away with a good D lineman, edge, corner, maybe an old lineman, Brian Branch at the safety position, maybe even Addison if the board falls a certain way. Is there really a miss at pick 17 for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Like, is there any way if they go with any player, any position, it could potentially be a miss? Thank you. So thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey, for your question. But Matt, I want to twist this question a little bit to you mm-hmm. because there is always can be a miss. You know, oh, yeah, everybody you can, misses, right? Everybody misses at some point. No one is immune to it. But I, I think what what Jeffrey's getting at here is what is the likelihood that the right guy falls to the Steelers at 17 and they are they're like, you know what, this is no problem. This is great value. We're running to the podium. What do you feel like that likelihood is with how this class could play out and the teams that are ahead of the Steelers? So I think you have to look at it this way. Like, who do we expect to be gone? I think four quarterbacks are gone. I agree. N- no matter what. So mm-hmm. and we just keep the track, you know, take four away from 17 and we'll get down to, you know, who's left. Mm-hmm. I think you're keeping your fingers crossed that B. John Robinson goes, and I'm going to give him a 50% chance. I mean, he's a spectacular Uh, player. It's tough. I have to think a wide receiver's gone, although I'm not impressed with the top of this receiver class. Same. They're they're just in demand. I bet at least one, hopefully two. I don't think a tight end goes, and I absolutely think the top three tackles, Skaronsky, Ohio State and Jones, uh, or, you know, Johnson and Jones are gone, unfortunately. Because mm-hmm. I think you probably jump on one of those three if they're there. 
I don't think that's in right. the equation. Um, I'm certain off the field aside, Jalen Carter's gone. Will yeah. Anderson's gone. Yeah. I think that two or three other edges are gone, you know, Murphy and those guys. And unfortunately, I think the top three corners, in my opinion, which in my head are Gonzalez, Porter, and uh, Illinois. I forget his name. Witherspoon. Shouldn't have. Witherspoon, yes. Yes. I think those three are unlikely to be there. So hopefully I'm wrong on one of those, which is very possible. You know, an right. extra receiver goes or Bijan goes or something like that. And all of a sudden you're looking at one of those corners or tackles and you're happy. But Dale and I talk about this a lot on the drive is, well, I like Brian Brise a lot, you know, and he mm. really reminds mm. me of Cam Hayward on the field. Uh, Dale adores Brian Branch, and I love him too. I mean, he didn't run great, but he's just such That's a good his football game, player. It's not his game. He's yeah. a slot. He's a safety. He's smart. He's Minka. I mean, he's Saban's guy. Mm. Like, those two to me would be very attractive at 17 assuming the top quote biggest need positions aren't there. Yeah, I feel you on that. And and Brian Branch is an attractive player yeah. because of how well he played in Alabama's defense. You could fit him not just in the slot, but drop back as a safety. And, you know, he, he talked about his admiration for Minka, both Alabama guys. Imagine having two quarterbacking type of safeties on the field right, at the same right. time who could coordinate – and Terry Austin, we know he loves. You know, he was a secondary coach. We know he, lo- he loves the relationship that he has with his with his guys in the secondary. Man, the things that they could cook up now that he's defensive coordinator. They just led the NFL in interceptions. I would be very intrigued to see what they could do with the flexibility he would offer them there. But also yeah. with Brzee, like you were talking about, I, I've been saying for the longest time, the Steelers need to find the next flag carrier for the, the 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 defensive line, you know, because Cam Hayward has carried that flag for so long. They were hoping Stephon Tewitt would be able to come back and he would carry that flag for some years afterwards. But now, you know, you have Larry Okunjobi, who you brought you brought in for a year. Maybe you bring him back, maybe you don't. You have DeMarvin Leal, who I think had a good rookie year, and I think that he sure. could develop. But I'm not so sure he's the, the he's the superstar defensive lineman who carries the, the next generation of Steelers defensive linemen to be one of the best fronts in the NFL. I think Brzee could be a guy like that. Like you said, he, he reminds me of Cam Hayward a little bit. Um, I, I think there's 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 a chance that you know they, they find a guy. I like Keanu Benton in the later rounds, not mm-hmm. not with me 17. Um, but I, I, I'm right with you. I think that one of those guys could fall there, and it's also tough because you know I know some people really like Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle out of out of Tennessee. Um, I, I'm not. I'm still not sold on him at 17 just yet. Yeah, I, me I think, either. I just I have a hard time. I know Daniel Jeremiah put him there, but I just think that there. I think Jeffrey has a really good point that there is a there is a lot of ways this can play out where a guy that that you're perfectly fine with at 17 is there and you don't have to trade back. But that being considered, as much as the Steelers might value that player, I think it's also a good chance that someone calls you and gives you you know an extra second round pick, an extra third round pick for moving back. As long as you keep that first round pick, I, I think that should be on the Steelers' radar. Oh, I 100% agree. And uh, I'm glad you brought up um, Wright from Tennessee because Mm -hmm. he's very impressive. I was impressed with his drills. I I like everything about the guy. He shut down Will Anderson. But two years ago at Tennessee, he was kind of a fish out of water at left tackle. And he's very, very comfortable at right tackle. And if he's a right tackle only, I just don't think that fits the Steelers' needs. I mean, if if, if they sat down with him, which I'm sure they will, and he's very comfortable on either side and gladly will, you know, give it a shot in camp at left tackle. 
I'm thinking about it, but more so at like 22, not 17. Yeah, and that, and that would be interesting because if they were able to trade back, and I did a I, I took a call yesterday on our show about the options of trading back and what it could net you, mm-hmm. you know, that would be a, a, an interesting spot there, and then it would also open up the door for maybe you know maybe the tight end conversation as well. But that right, is going right. to be an interest, interesting spot there uh, to see how the Steelers do. I I'm really intrigued to see how Omar Khan handles a draft day. We were seeing him handle the draft process and the scouting and everything, and we'll see how it plays out, but. When we saw him be aggressive with the trade to to send away Chase Claypool, I, you know I think we both agree that thirty two was amazing value for 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 him. Sure. At the, and so uh, I'll, I'll be very intrigued to see how he moves forward. But the big news in the AFC North right now is a move that the Baltimore Ravens made uh, th- this week on Tuesday, and that was ex- applying the non exclusive franchise tag to uh, to Lamar Jackson and. I want to go into what that means if teams will be into bidding wars and what that could mean for the Ravens moving forward and the Steelers rivalry with them in the AFC North. We'll talk about all that in just a minute here right on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Back here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined again by Matt Williamson. Matt I want to ask you about Lamar Jackson and what your thoughts are on just the Ravens applying this franchise tag on him. What you thought about these negotiations? I know that Lamar doesn't have a an agent. It's you know him and his mom, and they they, mm-hmm. they work out the negotiations and everything. Is this the right move for the Ravens? Should they be breaking the bank and say, "Hey, we want to keep Lamar no matter what," um, or is this is this something that can work in their favor uh, in the long run? Considering now teams can now put in a bid to maybe take away Lamar Jackson. And if someone did, they'd get two first round picks. Yeah, I'll be honest. I mean, this happened very recently. I haven't given it tons and tons of thought, but I found it odd that all the reports, Rap Sheet, Schefter, all these guys, as soon Mm -hmm. as it happened, are coming out saying, oh, the Falcons aren't interested. The the Panthers aren't interested. Washington's not interested. And I'm sitting there going, why on earth not? Two exactly. first-round picks for Lamar, and you get to work on his contract? That's a gift. Jump yeah. all over it. And I think that's – I don't know where that came from. They know more than I do, Schefter and those guys. But I bet a lot of teams are interested. And it's such a weird situation because what I know for a fact is when the the Brownies sound, signed Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. 31 other owners were livid because they <laughs> saw this coming. You know, like – if right. I'm Lamar, I'm going to Baltimore, and he has every right to saying, I want Deshaun's contract. Yeah. I have a better resume than him. I have an MVP. Mm-hmm. I don't have off-the-field stuff. You know, like, let's start there. And I don't think any team would have given Watson that contract except for the Browns, and I don't think any team would give Lamar the Watson contract. So right. you're at an impasse, and it doesn't help that you don't have an agent. It doesn't help that his style of play would worry me a little bit in terms of, do I want to sign him to a five-year deal? I mean, what if he loses a little bit of athleticism? I think he's a vastly underrated passer and playmaker yeah. besides his wheels. But you want him to be able to run like as, as he is now to pay him mm-hmm. that way. And the last couple of years, he hasn't held up, you know. So what's that worth? I also think the Ravens schematically have held him back. Everyone thinks they tailored this mm. offense for Lamar. I think it's hurt him more than it's helped him. I mean, let him be a passer. Let him be a passer. Give him wide receivers to catch the football. 
I mean, they don't throw yeah. the wide receivers. How do you expect to win the league without throwing to wide receivers? I mean, it's nuts to me. So I think they've held him back to some degree. At this price, though, how can the Falcons and Panthers and other teams not at least make him a contract offer? Right. Which might be exactly what the Ravens want. Is They said, my hunch is they, they, they said, we tried all we could and we can't come to a deal because of the Watson stuff. Let some other team negotiate it and we'll match it, you know, or we won't. But two first round picks isn't enough for Lamar. I agree. I mean, yeah. you'd think that if if this was a straight up trade, you'd be talking three first, a couple right. seconds. Like this, this would be crazy. This would be crazy for them. And for me, like, you know, I, I think we're on the same wavelength about Lamar. I know there's a lot of Pittsburghers like he's a running back. No, he's not. Oh, he's a very no. good quarterback. He's an MVP in, right. in the league. Uh, Great and player. He's he won, saved John Harbaugh's job in 2018. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't come in at the end of that season, I mean, it was very public that they were the they were those that was going to be a mutual parting of ways for right. that coach and that organization. And then he has held up the Ravens over the past several years. When they've been good, it's been because he's made them good. And yes, oh, they've had yeah. really good players like Marlon Humphrey, Calais Campbell. I'm not saying that they're on contributors, but he makes that engine go. And for him to not get paid is very intriguing to me. And it's funny because, you know, we used to talk about the Steelers and the Ravens being the 1A, 1B of the AFC North. And now the past two years, it's been the Cincinnati Bengals. But the Ravens have been the team that I felt like if they been could have been healthy in either of the last two years, they could have I, they could have won the division. Because I think that yeah, they yeah. have talent on their roster right now. And it's just if Lamar goes, what does that do to the rest of the AFC North? You have the Steelers rebuilding with a young quarterback who just missed the playoffs, the Bengals who, you know, they've haven't been able to, to, to base to get their Super Bowl win with Joe Burrow and the, and the, while he's on a rookie deal, you have Deshaun Watson with the Browns. What does that do if Lamar Jackson's not in the AFC North? I think it's massive. I mean, I have a lot of concerns about the Browns and the NFL hit them hard because Mm. From this point, last year was their window. You know, I mean, from this point on, the way Watson's contract is constructed, the Browns are going to lose more than they gain each year, where they've been Mm. buyers before. So it's going to be, and they don't have a first-round pick. And, you know, they they don't have the resources. So Watson has to be a stud for them to be a contender. He's capable, but he hasn't been in a Browns uniform at all. Um, The Bengals are the class of division right now. There's no doubt. Yeah, of course. But they've never dealt with having one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league and picking – 28th every year like the Steelers and Ravens have that's not easy you know I mean as great as Burrow is and I adore him I I, the Steeler fans are going to hate him for 10 years he's a he's an assassin Mm -hmm. but it's not easy how do they rebuild the O-line you know within your pick you're not picking between Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell anymore you're picking 28th and 29th it's a heck of a lot different with no cap space but I do think they'll maintain for a while because I have ultimate faith in Burrow Chase Higgins I don't know what to think of the Ravens. I mean, great respect for the organization. I wonder deep down, does Harbaugh look at the offense? And I like the Todd Munkin hire an offense coordinator and say, this style ran its course. We need to throw the ball to receivers. We need to become more traditional with or without Lamar. But if Lamar leaves, one of the more, more interesting to me is not where Lamar goes or what the contract is. What's the Ravens next move? Is it go mm-hmm. trade up for Richardson and play exactly like you have? Is it go sign a Derek Carr-like pocket passer that couldn't be any more different? You know what I mean? Like, I wonder how the Ravens want to play on offense, and I don't think any of us know that answer. 
I agree. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know that that answer. Right, right, right. You know what 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 direction they want to go in. Um, and, and I I just think that if Lamar Jackson were to, were to leave, there is a billion different directions that that organization could go and we've already seen the drama with you know with uh you know the eric DeCosta making the comments and right. then rashad perriman and everything I, I, all the things are, are bateman excuse me rashad bateman yeah, was bateman. the one coming out and uh all, even former players were coming in like hollywood brown i, I just think that that could make everything tumultuous my last question for you matt real quick you- i 100 agree with you though this can't be good for the locker room it just isn't it- Exactly. It I mean, again, is. Lamar's beloved. Like when he For was life. hurt, and the the stories were circulating. Oh, he he could maybe play, and the team was like, no. The players were like, hardly no, walk. He, <laughs> he, he's barely moving around the right, facility. Right. Who is saying these things? Yeah. And so I'm right with you. This all is not a good look for the Ravens right now. They could pull out of it because they do have a lot of talented guys on that team, but. This could go south, and if it does, it could mean they fall into a crazy rebuild phase Maybe. that would have been unthinkable a year or two ago. Yep, possible. It's definitely possible. Um, but my last thing to you is we t- yes. talked about Burrow. We talked about Watson. We talked about Jackson. What is your trajectory for Kenny Pickett with the Pittsburgh Steelers over the next year? I know it's a big question to finish mm-hmm. the show on, but like, what is reasonable? what is a reasonable expectation for him to be able to compete with other top quarterbacks in the NFL and with the Steelers roster as it's composed? Well, he has to get better, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, in the middle of the field, the 10 yeah. to 20 range, the red zone. I, I don't – I mean, his TD interception numbers are really, really bad, but yeah. they don't worry me at all. I mean, they don't worry me at all. I mean, he's going mm-hmm. to throw touchdowns. I mean, I, I don't think he puts the ball in harm's way more than any other young quarterback. I think he's quite good at it. Chris, to be honest with you – I think if he is the 13th, 14th, 15th best quarterback 365 days from now when we talk, we would all take it, and I think that's very feasible. And I the agree. arrow's going up, and maybe he's 10 the year after that, you know? And he's not eating up tons of cap space, and you're adding tight ends around him <laughs> to come full exactly. circle. You know? You know? So I, I'm very optimistic. I don't know that he'll ever be a top five guy. Few are, of course. Right. But I think he's – very much going the right path. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see how that path goes. Matt, thanks so much for joining us here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. Appreciate your insights as always. Let people they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Yeah, I'm at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Uh, check out Brian and I's podcast. It's Peacock and Williamson and Ryan McDowell and I do Locked On Dynasty, but I'm all over the place. I'm easy to find. He is all over the place, and he's easy to find because he's the man. Matt, thanks so much. I'm Chris Carter, host of the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can also read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com. And also, that's why I'm not at home right now. You can notice it's a different background and everything. I'm in my hotel in Greensboro. I'm covering the ACC tournament. So if you're interested in pit hoops, get all the coverage there at post-gazette.com, where me and Noah Hiles are giving live coverage of everything going on down there. But if you're a Locked On Steelers fan, you can find this show on any podcasting platform, but especially on YouTube. Like this video if you saw, saw enjoyed it. And subscribe to this channel to get all of your daily Steelers content. Back Thursday with more Locked On Steelers. we got Alan Saunders back on the show. We'll see you then. <laughs>